0: It's
1: time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan
0: Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And today we answer your question because of the Thursday night game. uh, Typically on our Wednesday pod, we would go over the game. We did that on Monday. And so we have kind of a a free pod, if you will, Logan. Uh, So we are... Uh, we are following the Dan Snyder story literally as we're recording this at 1 10 on Wednesday or on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, there was just a letter released uh, from the Katz and Banks law firm about uh, some concerns with sources uh, or some some the enemies list, so to speak, as it was deemed by Congress uh, in new revelations from the ESPN article. Like there's a lot happening with that story. The D.C. attorney general might have findings that come out uh, today. Tuesday is recording. So. What I will say is this. We are constantly following that live on the radio. That is where radio is at its absolute best. The ability to react to things live, make sense of it. Uh, The problem with the podcast, while it's great for so many things, is that it can become very quickly dated. So what we're going to do is kind of stick to football, not in a like, hey, stick to sports kind of way, but just in a, we don't want to say something and have it be outdated by the time this actually gets heard. So we will stick to things that uh, will be relevant by the time that this podcast comes out, which is going to be for us on the field. So Tune into the Team 980. Tune into 1067 The Fan for continuing coverage of that story. And we will certainly have it for you in spades on our two radio stations. So, with that, Logan, uh, we had questions submitted via Twitter. We had questions submitted via Instagram. Uh, our YouTube uh, action is skyrocketing. Uh, so, maybe <laughs> next time we do a mailbag, we'll have YouTube questions as well. Uh, but let's start off with the most obvious one. Ron Rivera has announced. That Carson Wentz uh, is going to be out for a while. Uh, that Taylor Heineke will start against Green Bay. Uh, the latest is that Wentz is going to start his rehab in L.A., where he had the surgery uh, yesterday. And then after about three days of rehab, they'll decide whether or not to put him on IR. Uh, but uh, at Doink Star, which I don't think is like a former Bears kicker, I don't think that's like a double Doink situation. I don't think, I don't think that's who that is. But Doink Star uh, asks us. Why start Taylor at this point with the rest of the division so far ahead? Worth seeing what Sam can do. And that kind of goes with this question from Billy, who says, what specifically does a team do during a season to help a rookie quarterback learn to play in the NFL? And how is that progress evaluated? How does the process compare to actual playing in terms of helping to educate a young QB? What are the chances the team already knows Sam's ceiling? So let's start with kind of where Sam is and the decision to start Taylor. And then we can go into that second part of the question.
1: Yeah. I mean, those are both really good questions. Um, so let's, yeah, like you said, let's start with the Taylor thing um, or the decision to start Taylor, right? Is that was what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So decision art Taylor and the the simplest way I can put this is that Sam Howell right now is not ready. And I think in 2022, 2021, all these recent football uh, kind of draft classes, we are extremely spoiled in the development curve for quarterbacks. These guys Traditionally, we're given a year, maybe two years, to kind of develop and mature and, and grow in offenses. And it's only been recently that they've kind of been expected to come in and play right away. So when you look at Sam's game specifically, he's a guy that I think has talent. I think everyone can see his talent. It was on display in the preseason. But, you know, if you look back, who was the team we played in the first preseason game? I forget now. But the first uh, preseason game, whoever it was, the first preseason game, a million years ago, feels like now. He is struggling to kind of work through progressions at an nfl speed excuse me nfl ball placement all those kinds of things are just somewhat lacking now he's he made plays he made plays with his legs you saw his arm talent but if you look at justin fields for example because we just saw him recently the thing that he struggles with is not the physical talent but it's the processing speed it's the comfortability, if that's a word with the offense, with the reads, with his progressions, and that's just not there yet. And if there was a young quarterback like Sam in the in the game, defenses would totally take advantage of him. Especially this Green Bay defense. Like I think people think because Green Bay has struggled the last two weeks um, that their defense is not very good. Like when you turn the tape on, they jump off the tape. They have a very good pass rush. They've got very good coverage players. They only, you know, everyone says, oh, they've given up 300 yards rushing in the past couple weeks. The only reason that happens is because there's kind of these specific game plan runs in the New York game and in the um, in both New York games, the Giants and the Jets, that kind of led to big plays. So it's not like you can lean on the run game, I think, the way a lot of fans are anticipating you can, because versus conventional run stuff, it is a bloody mess. They are very, very good. So Sam would have to carry a lot of this responsibility, and he is just not, he's not there yet. He's just not ready, and that's fine. He's a fifth-round pick. I know he's very talented. There was talk about him being the first pick overall. Um, obviously, that is was yeah, by the end of exa- his,
0: his uh, last season at Carolina. He had become a fifth round pick. Right. And
1: uh, and I, again, that's not a knock on him. And I think right. he can play in the league at some point, but he's just not ready right now. And so with the season still kind of, you know, in reach, so to speak, if the offense can figure it out. um playing him just would, would be doing the whole roster a disservice, quite frankly.
0: Right. I think it's important to remember there's 53 guys and 60, whatever it is now, if you count practice squad. And and if you play a player at a certain position where you seem to be favoring that player's development over the wellness of the team or the well-being of the team and and a detriment to their chances to win, unless it's a lost season and, and there's multiple players where that's happening, that's, that's a way to lose a locker room. That's a way to cause resentment, by the way, at that player. Like, I don't know that that's the best situation for Sam um and and also i think this is an interesting question uh and in terms of quarterback specifically i feel like it's a little bit different but to a to a degree all positions right what is the balance of playing a guy letting him get that experience and learn versus the damage that can be done if you play a guy too early and you whether it's create bad habits or you know spook a guy a little bit where he just doesn't like you kind of kill his confidence like how do you balance even when it's the right time to play a guy like Sam Howell who isn't ready yet.
1: I mean, if there's a guy who's close, I think you want to go that way. I think Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh's a good example. Like he's close and you got to see what you got there. Cause you're going to be quite frankly in a position where you're going to have a very high pick again this year. So you got to know what you got there in the first round pick. So you got to How know do they keep
0: messing around and winning games, Mike Tomlin, a <laughs> little that uh, guy. He just he just messes around and wins games all the time. He's just a not, guy not who fair. wins games. How do we do yeah. that? How do we get one of those guys?
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that um in that situation where you spent a lot of draft capital on a guy, um, a guy who's who by everyone in the league standard was a first round quarterback, you picked him, you gotta see. With a fifth-round pick, even a fourth or third round pick, I'm not sure it's that that important, quite frankly, to see what you have with a player. I think you see him every day in practice, you saw him in the preseason, you saw him in the offseason. You kind of know who he is at this point, right? And I think in in addition to knowing who he is and, and and kind of seeing his development, he also has zero opportunity with the ones like he gets no reps with Terry McLaurin while Taylor and some of these other guys, they do get reps with Terry. So I think that's another thing that's important here, but I I don't think with a guy who's a fifth round pick, I don't think it's that important to really know what you have. There's not an expectation that he's going to be anything really spectacular. I don't think, I mean, is there Craig, you would know better than me.
0: I mean, It depends on who you're asking. Like, amongst football people, I don't think there's some expectation, but I think amongst the fan base, because who watched Howell throw for 280 against the Ravens. By the way, that first game was against Carolina, and he comes in, and you're like, whoa, he can do some stuff. His arm is electric. And considering the lack of talent, like not necessarily lack of good play, um, and, and for various guys, I mean, Alex had a couple of okay runs you know, but really since Kirk, you haven't even seen good play on any kind of consistent basis from quarterback. And the way Kirk did, it didn't like jump off the screen. Um, you haven't seen outside of Wentz, ironically, a guy with that kind of talent come through here in a long time. And like, you know, Garrett Gilbert had massive arm talent, but he was Garrett Gilbert with all due respect, right? right? Like people knew, like, oh, he can't play in the league. A guy that's a draft pick who had a little bit of that pub coming out. I think that is where it becomes a little bit different is I think the expectation is that if Howell got a chance with the ones, oh, he would figure it out. And I mm-hmm. and by the way, I took a bunch of calls yesterday uh, with Heineke with that. It's like, well, how do you know Heineke's not the guy? He's never been given a chance. Like they've never built around him. And it's like, yeah, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's a little bit of the chicken and the egg that makes it impossible to disprove. It makes it impossible for us to go, even if we feel like with our level of expertise and knowledge and, you know, ability to talk to the the folks involved and and certainly on with with you, like your experience of seeing it with different guys in the league over a course of a decade that you were playing, the counterfactual is always impossible to Mm -hmm. disprove. It's like, okay, well, what if they just said from the time they drafted him, they never, I mean, at that point Wentz was here, but they were just like, nope, Sam Howell's the guy. And they drafted him and they, they empowered him in every single way. Like, what would it look like? And the answer is we don't know. Right. But the chances are it probably wouldn't be very good because otherwise he would have, wouldn't would have been a fifth-round pick. And if he was capable of that, if he was a Russell Wilson, he would have went out and beat them out for the job. It would have been so undeniable like Terry was when he got here. Like they had signed uh, some other guys and spent first-round picks and whatever the year Terry was drafted. And Terry just came out and beat them all out for the, the job as a third-rounder who was supposed to be this ace special teams player. He's just like, wow, that dude's incredible. He's our new starting best receiver. And he had a thousand yards or very close to it at rookie year. And so I think that the the expectations, I understand them on like an intellectual level, uh, of where fans come up with them because they're like, oh, well, he's got talent because it's it's easier to see arm talent, it's easier to see what he did and the production he did have in the preseason versus you go back, going back, watching the film and understanding what he missed, what he missed and the trouble that he could get the team into because you have the ability to project based off your experience where an average fan, if we're just being honest, does not. And frankly, uh, to a lot, a large extent, neither do I.
1: Yeah. And so I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And so if I was going to give you kind of an analogy here, like um, you're familiar with high school football, Craig, uh, Craig, right? Most of our fans or listeners are familiar with a lot more of our,
0: our listeners played in high school than they did the NFL.
1: Right. So I'll say this, there you know everyone says oh like what's the difference between JV and varsity, right? And th- you can have a really good football player on the JV football team. He understands conceptually what's going on, he can tackle, he can run, he can do all those things, but when you kind of go from that JV roster to the varsity, you know they they play games on Tuesday now the JV guys and then they go play on varsity on the weekends and there's a huge difference in the speed and the physicality of the varsity level, right? And I know for fans, it doesn't seem like there's a difference when you're watching an NFL game between the the kind of the guys who are playing in the second half of a preseason game and the rest of the NFL. I have played in all the preseason games, the fourth preseason game, and the pre in the fourth preseason game, I don't want to say as a joke, but you're basically playing like in a college all-star game. And right. all of that experience that you've gleaned and you've gained like gives you such a tremendous advantage. The game feels slow in that fourth preseason game and i wasn't even like a tremendous athlete or anything like that but just because you probably of
0: how, killed a fourth preseason game.
1: i love the i was the master of fourth preseason games
0: because like you were good enough to be like you were an nfl player for 10 years right, like you were right. on rosters like you were good enough to be a guy who was playing snaps in the NFL on a field with a bunch of guys who weren't that, or right. uh, were maybe trying to be that right. And all of a sudden you're the best player on the field, like that matters. And yeah, you were and, that in a lot of fourth preseason games. And so I think there's like
1: a, there's a little bit of, sp- there's a speed element, obviously there's an intellectual element. And so, you know, some of the stuff that he did against Carolina where he's running all over the place, like that's dead in the NFL. Like he'll, he'll have a couple scrambles, but it's, the speed of the defensive linemen of the linebackers and it's also the recognition which, which way they approach things right it's like immediately they see stuff and the closing speed the windows the way things tighten up is just a different animal right and so to me it is very similar to like that jv to varsity jump you are playing the same sport you can play together but you're not going to elevate anything you're not going to play at a high level and i think a lot of uh fans or listeners are probably like well in a jv guy he'll develop right and I'm not saying Sam won't develop, but I think he's probably a year or two away from kind of those meaningful reps in an NFL game, from just being ready to handle that, right? Because it's also the game plan is simplified in the preseason. It's really shrunken down to probably like you probably have five run plays, maybe six run plays, and maybe 10 pass plays that you're going to execute. And that allows the coaches and the staff to evaluate The the roster, right? And that's the whole point of the preseason. You don't want them being sluggish and overthinking things. You want to just see how they run and how they move and how they do stuff. So that's what it gives you. So you say, oh, this is what Sam Howell's upside is. You see the arm talent. You see the athleticism. But also you see some of the things that degraded him to a fifth-round pick against lesser competition. You see him kind of leaving footballs inside. You see him uh, um, kind of putting the ball in harm's way. You see him holding the football way too long. And I think that's maybe one of the most important things is it shows a slower processing speed and against with this offensive line and the situation that it's in that's going to be a huge factor because teams now understand you're going to see real NFL third down blitz packages which you won't see at all in the preseason. You're going to see that on third down. They're going to heat you up. You're going to see real NFL pass rushers. You're going to, the size, the speed, everything is different. So, if you want him to develop and be the guy that you think he can be in two or three years, which which could be a high end backup or it could be out of the league, who knows, right? Right. You need to give him the best opportunity to do that. And throwing him into the lions den is not that. Like, think about any like young quarterback. I think about the guy who played for uh, Dallas in the COVID year 2020, who came in and we got him both times with that guy at the quarterback spot, and he just wasn't ready. And I think that's kind of what Sam would look like. He just wouldn't be ready. Like, would he make a play? Could he make a throw? Sure, but would he be able to elevate the roster or even execute the offense at a, at a level that's required to be effective? at this point in his career no and so you're doing a favor to sam by keeping him out and you're doing a favor to the roster by keeping taylor in and i think that's good for everybody right now he's going to get two reps in practice which is great because carson's not here that'll help his development that's a good thing that's learning that's an opportunity but he's not ready right now
0: so that gets to the other question which is what do they do uh, to develop him like you mentioned the two reps in practice and Um, I'm guessing you mean that in a quite literal sense, um, because typically there's like eight reps in a period or 10 reps in a period and eight or six to eight will go to the starter and then you get two. But like he's also running the scout team and how that does that change at all with him now being the backup. So what can they do if he's ultimately got to adjust to that? How do they get him reps outside of a game so that he's not just sitting there watching? from right now until whenever it is that he ultimately gets a chance to play if he gets a chance to play. So
1: ultimately the, the things you mentioned are, are right on point right the, um, the the those two reps with the with the ones are important but also running the scout team now that's something he probably was not doing before that was Taylor's responsibility but now you're going to get to go up against an NFL defense and I know it's going to be kind of 80% speed it's not going to be a thousand miles an hour but at least you'll get to see, Okay, like this is a good blitz package here. How do we pick this up? This is where I'm hot. We run the same concept. How does the timing work out versus guys who know how to cover it? And I think those those reps are so valuable. My biggest growth as a player came from my own initiative. Right. So it came from scout team because you had to do scout team. but also came from me staying after and working with John Beck, one of the guys who I really attribute a lot of my development to. Cause he would stay after and we would go through the whole practice script again. Cause he was trying to get his reps too. So I think that initiative, that understanding um, that you need to develop yourself in the NFL, the NFL, I think I've told you this before there, it's, it's a league that's not equipped to develop talent at a very high level. Good, mm. good, good organizations. Like I think Baltimore does a really good job of this. They pride themselves on developing talent, but that's, that's the exception, not the rule. And so if you want to make sure you get your opportunity You have to develop yourself. So what is that? That's staying after, that's going to meetings with Taylor, that's understanding how he sees it, that's asking questions to Scott of your own initiative, right? And I think that's something that as much as people want to say, what does Ron do to develop him? What does Sam do to develop himself? And I think taking that responsibility is going to be a big deal for him. And there are things the staff can do. They can support that. They can encourage that. But ultimately, he's got to make those decisions and, and, and kind of take action on his own.